0: Thanks for having me. Um, I was super excited to meet you and talk with you. And I've seen some of the things you've done. And it's just I think what you're doing for people uh that are starting out in business, I just I just think it's great.
1: Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi A14. And I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started into this episode.
0: as I thought about what would I want to tell people uh, I would say one of the things that I find people struggle with more than anything is they struggle with where, like, what should I do? Where's that thing I love the most. And what I find with most, most people is that a lot of that comes from childhood. Um, A lot of, a lot of what we end up doing in life comes from that spiritual person and uh, family counselor type of person. So for me, I was trying to somehow figure out how technology and spirituality or behavior, how would I make those two work? Because I was trying to make it work for my parents. So I was trying to figure out, like, how does that work? And the way that that played out is that my father did things like... uh, um, I used to ride go-karts and motorcycles and all kinds of crazy things. And my dad one time sent a motorcycle in a box to me and there was a note on it. And it said, if you can build it, you can ride it. Which um, for a 10-year-old kid seems like a lot to ask. But what it taught me, it taught me a lot of uh, internal confidence. It taught me to explore. It taught me to understand that I have skills that I may not even know that I actually have if somebody just allows me and gives me the chance. And so the way that that played out is I started learning how to be really focused, how to be really detailed, but also I needed to pull in this kind of people part that was part of my experience with my mom, and then also to pull in this creative part, which was me. So the way that it played out um, over time, you know, I used to ask myself, why is it that I never give up? Like, why is it that some people will succeed, other people will fail, some people will start and immediately at the first break they'll decide that's it, I'm not doing it anymore, or that some people will stay on even when it's beyond their good. So, as a kid, I did some really funny things. Um, I uh, I used to take my Brother, I have, I have uh, four brothers and sisters. We had five kids and two were adopted. One, we actually got uh, from Mother Teresa in India. And the other oh, was from uh, South... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, what's interesting is I have mm-hmm. pictures. Mother Teresa came back through the United States when my sister was 14. And I have a picture of my mom and Mother Teresa and my sister and my dad. It was really an interesting... Influence in my life because they saw life very different than I did. Um, even in the same, even in the same uh, household, all the kids see things differently. We all have our own little skills and, um, you know, just innate uh, interests, I guess. So what I used to do anyway is, um, at maybe seven or eight years old, I would take all my brother and sisters. Christmas presents, and I would put them out on the street, and I would sell them to the people that drove by, and I realized I really kind of had this knack for selling things. Um, At 12 years old, I had a couple paper routes, and then it just started to evolve. I was 17. I started seeing that cars, as I went along the street, I would say, wow, that car, they were selling it, and it's way cheap, and I saw this mispricing In what the value of the car was and what these people were selling it for. And so by the time I was, I think, 19 years old, I had 30 cars that I bought and sold. Uh, Some were just clean it up, some were fix the brakes. And so as I'm watching myself, it's evolving. And then it became, you know, buying a house and buying a couple houses. Then I went to the floor of the Stock Exchange and I ended up being a trader, yelling and screaming. Same thing though, it's it's this um, moving from, you know, this buy and sell environment where things are misplaced. Then I started seeing opportunities in the world when technology would kind of hit this place. So I'll give you an example, like, uh, one of the first businesses I had was a video production company and it was when video when that industry went from video to digital so that it used to be tape and then it became digital. And what happened is there's all of these confusing things and there's opportunities and there's um, just you know people not sure like should I do everything on tape? Should I convert everything to digital? same thing later on in life i did one of the first web development businesses and it was because the web came and everyone went oh my gosh what like should i do all my traditional advertising in magazines and billboards and tv or should it be all on the web and so what i found was like even from a very little a very young age things get out of place things get mispriced and then later on i realized That happens in the housing market, that happens in the stock market, that happens in the business market, where opportunities happen. And if you can kind of be looking for those opportunities, it it opens itself up to a lot of things. I'll I'll just tell you one really quick story for that, Um, because along the way, you'll also find those things, and then we can get on to some other stuff, but... uh, what I ended up doing later on is I started running businesses for people starting businesses for people because I just have this I I have had a lifetime of looking for things that are a little out of place and I don't mean um like uh you know, the cup is out of place in your sink or whatever, you know, in your cabinet. I don't mean that. I mean, (laughs) I mean, there's a bunch of things that are happening in the world and where is the opportunity? So for instance, when I was driving up, when I, when I was on the floor of the stock exchange, I left my house at 2.15 in the morning for about five years. And I didn't like coffee. I just didn't like the taste of coffee early in the morning. My only option Was to drink a Coke or a Mountain Dew or something that had caffeine in it, you know, for that sort of initial wake up. And what I started doing is taking little caffeine tablets and chopping them up and putting them in orange juice or putting them in cranberry juice and mixing it together because I could drink orange juice in the morning. I didn't like the taste of coffee and tea wasn't strong enough. And Eventually, like it dawned on me, wow, I, I might be the only—I might not be the only person that doesn't like coffee—and I started down this road of, wow, I really think there's a market there. Um, the, the the funny thing is, I was doing well trading. I also had this other business, this internet, um, you know, web development company. My son was just born. Like I had so many things going on that I decided to push aside the you know, juice with caffeine. in it turns out that the uh, energy drink business is a, you know, 10 or $20 billion industry. And I let the wrong one go. <laughs> I should have been <laughs> focused on that one. But but that happens in life. And And the thing is like, that wouldn't have happened unless I was trading. And so when I thought the big opportunity was trading in this other business, it turned out that the big opportunity was right in front of me that had nothing to do with what I was doing. So just staying open to it, you know, and and we all have those things where we go, Oh, I wish I would have done that. Or I wish I would have done that. Um, But I'm very happy with where I am and and all the different things that I've done. So, but, you know, it, it really, really is important to go back to your childhood, like what did I really love? What did I really enjoy doing? And what did I continually do over and over and over? And for me, that's been this string that's run through my life and my work life. And and I really tend to bring that out uh, in some of the people and the clients and the businesses that I work with and start and those kind of things.
1: All right. Now, would you want to tell me something? Okay. Well, of course, you already explained to me uh, about your childhood and how you move from there to being a business person, really growing in it, expanding, and having all the experience. In fact, we are bringing you here because of this also to share with, with the people about experiences in business. Because a lot of people that are watching this podcast are interested in starting all their businesses or profiting from the one they already have. So we need people who have done it before who can share with them uh, how to do it. But just before... You start sharing with them. We also need to know your background story, which, of course, you already did. So I'm not going to spend much time there. Except for the father. that I'm trying to ask you, which state did you grow up in? Uh, let, let's try to get some few colors around there.
0: Sure. Yeah, I was born in Pennsylvania. And then uh, my father was, I told you, a physicist chemist, but he was kind of one of those original Silicon Valley chip guys. So from Pennsylvania, we moved to California we moved back to Pennsylvania. We moved back to California because it was so in demand that the people in California were saying, we need all of these, you know, microchip guys to go out there. And then the Pennsylvania people said, no, come back here. And then the California people said, no, come back here. So we did a bunch of jumping around. And one of the things that that taught me, and I don't think this is a negative thing, but things are really important in the moment, because you don't know what the next moment brings. So the relationship that you develop with somebody in that moment is really important, because number one, you may not have them in your life anymore. um, Or you only get a little bit of time to build that relationship. And then it might go away. But that relationship might carry on through your whole life. So you know, at a really early age, I was learning that, I mean, that's basically sales skills, like to, to go to a new school and then go to another new school and then go to another new school and somehow immediately have to make friends and learn how to listen to people and learn how to ask great questions of people and to find your balance between you and that other person and building that relationship. So. Um, I did I did live I uh, one of the businesses I started was in New York City so I I lived in California raised my kids there um, started a couple businesses there and then I was asked to go to New York and I lived in New York City for about four years Um, and it was kind of between the city and Southampton and another place called Tuxedo Park and we started three companies there Uh, so I've kind of been all over. Um back and forth, mostly the coasts, I would say.
1: But even in the Silicon Valley, you also move around there to see what is good. And because that is where the uh, that is where the magic really happened now. If you're talking of the chip and, and the rest of it. Yeah. And tell me if you have any experience there inside the Silicon Valley.
0: I did. Um, you know, first of all, from my father, he would bring home these, they're called Eprom chips, I think. And we had this weird board and he would bring home these chips and i would wait till he came home because we were game testers uh in the really early ages like back around pong like way way back and he would bring these chips and we'd put them in and we'd play this soccer game or we'd play some other thing and so i always had this fascination with um you know, if if you look, like I'm looking at my mouse right now, the, my keyboard mouse or my uh, computer mouse, and there's the outside of it, right? There's the mouse that you see, but then there's all this really cool stuff inside. And I find that that people tend to be afraid of what's inside. And you don't need to really be in, afraid of what's inside because somebody else, some other person has been inside and put it together. So you're not just going to destroy it if you open it up and look at it. And um, I used to do that kind of stuff. My dad would bring home these chips and I would kind of go, wow, well, how does this work and and what's going on with it? And um, that helped me when I had, let's say the video production company, which was in Silicon Valley, I worked with some startups. There was a company called Magic Edge that most of those people, there's actually a couple documentaries on Netflix about Magic Edge and they were one of the most creative companies and a lot of them went on to go to Google and places like that. But I, I've always been very, very fascinated with what a company does, what it's trying to accomplish. And I worked with some original kind of chip startups, Cadence Design Systems. I worked with a place called EPRI, the Electric Power Research Institute, as a client. And I got to learn more about sustainable um, uh, technologies and things like that. Um, You know, solar, they were working on all kinds of energy storage things. And what's really great about being in business, uh, and I know it's a little bit of a diversion from your question, but one of the great things is you can learn so much from your customers. You can learn so much from what they're doing. And I think it's a mistake to just focus on how do I sell to this person? It's much better to understand what is that person's needs and what, are, what is their day like? What is their experience like? Because that's where all of a sudden partnerships happen. That's where things like me driving and, you know, chopping up things and all of a sudden creating monster drinks before they existed. Um, You, you, if you're just focused on only what you do, you miss opportunities. That doesn't mean you should be scattered and constantly looking at everything. But I learned so much from watching the things that my dad was working on. In 1987, oh uh, wait, uh, 1988. Yeah, 80. I think it's like 88. My dad moved to Germany for some work and my younger brother and I were living in a condo. My dad had this device. It was about this big and we would type back and forth to each other and this is like 1988 and and basically we were doing email back and forth in 1988 10 years before all of the internet even came and you know what i wish if i had a wish was that somebody would go hey this might be important later on you know if i'm 10 years ahead of the rest of the world with some of these technologies don't think that it's all been figured out because i had I had internet in front of me. I had email in front of me 10 years before other people did just because of my relationships with my dad.
1: But uh, that, that is even very interesting now for people who probably are born in this, in this era you now, because now we are, you are looking at, you are talking of cheap A cheap now are very small and even very, very delicate because of the thing sure. that they need to go into because Okay, you were talking of uh, mouse. Uh, then is I, I believe it was different. The computer was different, and um, you want to make it cheap, you can make it even big, no? So share with me how was the chip there, like the one that your father were bringing home. How was it even in the Silicon Valley? Uh, how you know? I'm trying to understand how the technology was at the time, so we can compare it to how it is today.
0: Oh my gosh, it was so so different. Um, I, I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, Just to give you a sense of storage, um, when I had the video business uh, and I started the web development company in 1997, I bought an eight gigabyte hard drive to eight gigabyte to to store that storage um, for the videos, like while we were shooting and while we were editing that eight gigabyte drive was Almost $4,000. And now you can get a 16 gigabyte thumb drive free with a Slurpee at 7 Eleven. Like it's, it's a, ama- you know, like literally that, twice that today, 20 years later, would cost you $6.99 instead of $4,000. So storage changed dramatically. When I first started doing some of the digital stuff, we could only do a little screen. And we had to do these hybrids between putting a CD-ROM with all the video into a computer and then connecting it to the web because the computers just were not fast enough. Um, When my brother, I have two brothers and two sisters, my younger brother and I, we've been Madden, John Madden football uh, players. Like we've, we've played video games our whole lives. We just, you know, it's one of the things that we do. I remember when my dad got a very first Apple II computer in um, maybe like 1982 or something, Uh, we would sit down at my dad's computer and we would just each push a button and it would say like Roger Staubach, back to pass. Um, He passes, like we're watching the words and then we'd see this little cursor and it would go beep, 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 beep. And then it would go, he caught it. And then like, it would go, <laughs> he's on the 20, he's on. And we're just like sitting there reading what the a words.
1: <laughs> we're just reading the words.
0: It was like the worst experience ever compared to today. You know, today you, you can wear VR glasses with PlayStation 5 and you can, you know, be in there running. If I mean, it's so dramatically different. But the funny thing is, is the human brain is evolving as well. And our experience and the experiences that we expect evolve very, very quickly. You know, when the iPhone came out, um, I was so excited, like, oh my gosh, I can do email on my phone. It was such a huge thing. But now, you know, I have a a hundred, you know, I talked about $4,000 for an eight gigabyte hard drive. My phone right now has a terabyte, um, which is so much more than that. It's only a, (laughs) you know, a thousand dollars, but my expectation of the technology keeps evolving. So I'm like, come on, Verizon. Like, why is it that this thing is taking so long? Why is it taking a full 30 seconds to download this song or this video? Like, this is ridiculous. I should be able to, you know. So it's funny, like, we get very immune to the quality of the technology. And I think, you know, some of these future things that we're going to experience, I'm going to say, hey, I'm exhausted from this knee, I have this pain, I, I, I don't have any pain. I'm, I'm really happy about that. But if I had the pain in my knee, I, I envision sometime where you just walk in and it becomes elective, you go, I'm tired of this knee, just give me a different knee. I need one that can stop hurting. And it's not a big surgery thing. It's just, I just walk in, and I would just expect, hey, my body needs to work perfectly all the time. So I'm going into the body store and getting stuff fixed. Um, We evolve with the technology. And so it's it's not just about the technology evolving. It's about our expectations. And then what we expect to be able to do with it And then people go, oh, you wanted to do this with it. Okay. And then they start evolving it more. And so now the big issue is we're tired of having to look at our phone and put it down and look at our phone and put it down. And so Google tried a few years ago to do the Google, you know, the goggle sort of the lenses thing. And, And people pushed back, not because the technology was not good because people started freaking out thinking, Well, you're going to be able to start looking at me and Googling all this personal stuff about me. And then, you know, that became more of the issue. I don't want somebody to just look at me and have a heads up display on everything I've ever done before they talk to me. Um, So that that pushed back and there was a little bit of issues with the technology. But we have technologies now that are so much more advanced uh you know, I was I was in an Uber uh a couple of days ago, which in itself is amazing that people can just turn on and go, okay, now I have a new job. I'm just gonna drive a taxi. Uh and we were talking about the weather. And I said to him, um, like weather weathermen and weather women, you know, weather people, uh, it's so funny because they all have these jobs and they tell us it's gonna rain, and then sometimes it rains and sometimes it doesn't rain. And it just blows me away that we still have weather people. And he said, that's because of the money, man. <laughs> he was from Jamaica. He's like, that's the money, man. Um, <laughs> and, but what he was saying, which was really interesting, is there's this gigantic network of people all connected to weather. And so the tech, even though the technology immediately could just be from now on, I just want to text for the weather every single day. I want it from three different sources and I just want it to come in. The tech ex- ex- exists. But what are we going to do with all these people? And that's one of the things that I'm looking at and, and thinking about as, you know, the next 20 years, What what's going to happen to the people as we evolve? I think that
1: is even a very important question. I'm looking at yeah. it now. Okay, we're going to be moving in technology, uh, business uh, in the conversation, the rest that we have here. Because, of course, it's important. Technology is driving business, business is driving technology at yeah. the end of the day. <laughs> right. It's important, though. Right. No? All right. Let, let's try to look at that uh, curiosity. What are we going to do with all these people? Because technology corner is going to take away the job. That is the, the, the conventional belief in it. But is it possible that we can actually use that technology to uh, to just take care of the, the menial job that we are actually not supposed to do? Because we are human but we are supposed to evolve. No, we yep. don't need to be always be tilly the ground continuously. If we can develop a machine that can till it, of course, I can control the machine to till it for me, or I can design how I want it. Yes. I don't think I'm jobless in that sense. So help me, as business owner, as entrepreneur, should we be afraid of new technology? Um, I, think, I think
0: we should be cautious with new technology. I don't think we should ever be afraid of it. Because remember, like our, our human brains are really amazing, but they're also built to keep us safe. So if I put my hand on the stove and it feels hot and my hand starts to catch on fire, I get a signal to my brain, take your hand off or your hand's gonna burn, right? That's built in to keep me safe. And so when people think about technology and it's gonna take my job, that part of the brain kicks in and it's fear and it's what's gonna happen to me. And you project out this future, which is, well, if it takes my job, I'm not going to have money. If I don't have money, I'm going to lose my house and my car, and I'm not going to be able to provide for my kids and all these other things. But that's not actually, if you look at the history of when new technologies come, that's not what happens at all. What happens is we get rid of some things that don't make sense anymore, like a typewriter. It doesn't make sense to have to keep correcting. And for me to you know, get on a plane and take some papers and bring it to you to give you a presentation and fly back to where I am. Like that doesn't make sense. It makes much more sense. Type it on some box that I can push a button and send it to you so you can open it on your box. Um, so the, the fundamental things like communication and health and happiness and creativity and fun and work and you know moving businesses forward and food and all those things are always going to exist they might exist in a slightly different way. So rather than me having to drive my car around searching for a telephone that I can put coins into, that I can call you, that was very inefficient. Like payphones, very, very inefficient. Now I can just call you whenever. I just turn on my phone and I just call you. We can actually stay connected with an unlimited uh, wireless plan we can talk all day. We can just be on all day long, just go on Skype or WhatsApp and, or Facebook Messenger or something, and we can just talk all day long and it doesn't cost us anything more. And so the, the, real, the real fundamental thing is humans need to communicate. The technology just evolves around humans need to communicate. And that opens up lots of jobs and lots of opportunities. So it doesn't really make any difference if it was a payphone or a cell phone, or an uh, you know instant messenger where we're just staying on video all the time. It's the same thing. You and I are just communicating, and so I don't think the fear is is uh, real, because it will open up new things. That doesn't mean that some jobs won't evolve, and and people will have to evolve with those jobs. And I think it's it's a Really silly thing to think that you can keep doing what you're doing and that you'll be okay. I think that's a really, a really silly thing. And that's not meant to scare people. But if you think that you can go to a thousand businesses with a typewriter right now and say to them, I would like to do all of your typewriting work, I I think you're going to have a really difficult time.
1: I have, have, that is, that is, maybe that is what people are actually afraid of, no? Right. That, uh, you have learned how to do typewriting with the machine. You know, you type A and you type B instead of you know, right, like right. the way that it will be fast today. It's true, you are going to be out of job because you are not evolving, you are not growing you know? right. But I repeat again, we are not supposed to be stagnant as, as entity, we are supposed to be evolving, living, growing, expanding living,
0: no? <laughs> right. But the thing is, the thing is is that people people um sometimes need a push in order to change. And so sometimes a negative push has more fire in it than just staying where you're at. People say, "Well, yeah, but if I have to learn the computer, and I have to still do the typing, that means I can't go to the beach on the weekends. Well, okay, that might mean that you can't go to the beach on the weekends, but when would you rather learn it? When you have your existing job and things are going well, would you rather learn the computer then, or would you rather learn it when now you're freaking out because you don't have any money left and you don't have a job and no one will hire you because you don't have the skills? Do you want to learn it then? Uh, because either way, the truth is you're going to have to learn it. And I worked on a book um, called Changing Tribes with my stepdad, who was a priest. He left the priesthood to marry my mom. He had uh, a Ph.D. and three master's degrees and couldn't find a job because he had no business experience. I mean, here's a guy that's educated well beyond the majority of humans on this planet, and no one would hire him because he had no experience. And um, it's like you you just have to evolve. One of the things in the book that we talked about was changing tribes. It was like the Indians, um, American Indians, or you know, different uh, just different cultures have their different things. But uh, it, it evolved, and they either had to find a way to work with these other people that are now on their land. And I'm all for fighting and keeping your land and all that kind of stuff. But at some point when it's clear that you are overpowered and in technology, there are times where you're just overpowered. It, the rest of the world said, yes, I like cell phones better than pay phones. Um, when that kind of thing happens, you need to evolve. You need and, and better to look at what could come and then be working on those skills and have a creative mindset. You know, my, my daughter said to me one time, "Dad, why did you start this this advertising, you know, web development thing?" You and I said. Uh, she said, "Why didn't you just go get a job?" And I said, "Sweetie, because I had no experience." And she's like, "Well, then, what business do you have starting a company?" And I said, "Because no one would hire me," and and like her brain just. Stopped. She's like, but that doesn't make sense. How can you do that when you don't know how? And one of the things I have overcome very early in my life is the fear of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. It's constantly changing. It's always changing. If I know what I'm doing, maybe the world stopped, but to be afraid of the future, you know, people give you a lot of, a lot of latitude. If you say I'm doing this web development business, The business is constantly changing. The web is constantly changing. Um, Hosting, like just to host a website right now, you can host a website for $2.99 a month. When I first started it, it was $3,000, almost $3,000 a month for a big website to host. Um, You know, we evolved. We evolved with the technology, but you just have to be like all in. It's okay. It's not, and, and, And people will give you that space, Um, you know, getting into a business for yourself, you don't have to have all the answers. You have to have a lot of questions. You have to ask the customers, what is it that you're experiencing that you need that I can help you with? And you wanna be broad, but you don't wanna just go, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this, because it's confusing to people. If somebody says, where do you live? And I go, well, I have the house here and I have a house here and I also have a house here. And they go, okay, wow, that's great. Where do you live? You know, like, I live there, I live there. there. (laughs) Right. They're like, okay, that's great. But where do you live? You know, they just have simple questions. What do you do? You need to say, I do this. And they go, oh, well, can you do this too? Oh, you go, yeah, that's actually something that we do as part of doing what we do. But um, you need to get focused and one thing I just want to throw out is a lot of times they say you have to do what you love. And I have a little bit of a problem with that in that doing what you love, if you loved it, you'd be doing it, right? I mean, theoretically, like if you loved it, you'd be doing it. So you may want to love doing it. you may have done it and you loved doing it then but now your brain tells you well I don't have the experience to do it so I can't do it. What you really need to do is find something that you can do for a long period of time that you have a lot of interest in that you like to do that you like to talk about and that you're willing to commit to. Uh, My younger brother as well as my son are in the music industry and one of the things I learned from my brother is you can write a lot of songs but you've got to be willing to sing them for 10 or 15 years, because when you get on stage, they want you to sing those songs. They don't want you to come out every single time and sing a brand new song. They're like, I don't know any of these songs. They love you. They love you as an artist, but they want you to sing the songs that you've been singing. Same exact thing with clients in business. You need to pick a song, theoretically, pick a job or a business or a Task or a product that you really like that you're
1: really jazzed about. All right, now another important thing that I uh, i think uh, people want to understand is how do you actually start in business? Because this is, this is a, a very important question for those who are not already in business. They want to know how to start. Please help us with this.
0: Sure, um you know I work with a lot of different people. I work with people that have just got started in business and they're confused and frustrated, and they need to grow the sales and that kind of thing. I work with people that are in a job, and they want to go start a business. And they want to understand how do I do that. So uh, I'm sure you've heard of this thing, the chicken and the egg, Uh, you know, what came first, the chicken or the (laughs) egg? And, and there's that is a very, uh, I'm just trying to fix my screen here. Um, that's a very interesting thing because it's like, well, how do I get the, you know, similar to what my daughter asked me, how do I get the experience in a job? If I haven't done that job, how can I run a business? If I don't have experience in the business? Um, I would say first, you need to figure that out. And what it, what it really means is that you have to have some skill you have to have some bit of knowledge, you have to have something that people are willing to pay for. And it's really, really important. I know that seems simple, but it's really important to figure out what is it that people will pay for that is sustainable that you can do for a long period of time, or that will continue to grow the services that people really want. Um, You know, there are companies that do cupcakes for dogs. Well, that's a great idea, as long as dogs will eat cupcakes. But you don't want to spend a bunch of time building a cupcake dog business if dogs don't eat cupcakes. And so you got to find that, that thing. And then you want to be really clear on, okay, now, how am I going to differentiate myself? And so that would be the next thing that I would do is you need to decide exactly what you're serving to people, whether that's a service, a product um, you you see, a technology that's changing and you go, this is where my sweet spot is. I can create this product that will help people. So, I mean, obviously most people can't just start a cell phone business, but the idea is the same. It's people are using pay phones. They're really tired of driving around with no change. So what is the solution to that? Oh, the solution is I have a phone. Each person has a phone. In their pocket. And so that's the business that you're working on. It doesn't matter what industry. People have trees in their backyard. I'm looking at trees out my window. People have trees in their backyard. Trees grow too high. Trees fall on houses, cause a lot of problems. So I want to be in the tree business. You know, it doesn't matter what the business is. You just have to find that thing that either other people are doing not as well as you can do it um, or uh, that you can charge less, you can charge more, you know, all that kind of stuff uh, starts to play into it. But really the very, very first is, what is it that you want to do? And if you don't know what you want to do, then guess, get as close as you can on something that you have skills in. You don't want to necessarily try to start a business if it's gonna be really, really clear that you don't know what you're talking about. You wanna get clear on what you're talking about. Um, I'm right now doing an NFT uh, fractionalization business with some people in France. It took me a bit to be able to actually talk to people about it because immediately they go over my head if I don't have the experience. So I was smart enough not to get on the phone and start talking with people until I was qualified to do that. That doesn't mean I need certain skills. It just means I need to be able to communicate. This is what we do. This is what we need you to do. And and then you can sort of move forward. So I don't want to beat that into the ground. Um, But once you kind of decide on that, then you're deciding, you know, is it faster? Is it cheaper? Is it replacing old technology with a new technology? Um, The next thing, I would sit with somebody and really figure out the numbers. What is it that you're going to charge? Uh, What is it that you need? How quickly are you going to have to hire people? Because it, it needs to very quickly develop into something that's sustainable. And so you might say, oh, well, I'm going to charge $500 an hour to do X. That's great. But if it costs you $600 an hour to do it, $500 an hour doesn't help you. So it's really, really important to understand those things. And then, and then to, to, I'm sure you know, you've heard of personas and figuring out who your customers are, but really just figuring out what are the use cases for this. So as an example, um, I, let's say I'm doing a, a, a Mexican restaurant that sells burritos. I want to say to myself, how many people, how quickly can we make burritos? How, um, how much does it cost us to make a burrito? how many people are going to come in for lunch? So if there's going to be 80 burritos every hour, how quickly can we do that? And how many people do we need? And you start kind of doing those numbers, you start figuring that out. And it becomes very clear very quickly, how much you need to charge just to break even, and then how much you need to charge to make it worth doing. Um, A lot of people, they get into business without those things, and they set up this um, this scenario where it's not sustainable from the beginning, and and it it doesn't make sense to do that. Um, and they go, well, I'm going to figure it out as I go. Um, it's a dangerous strategy because unless you have an abundance of extra cash, you know, hiring people to do this and hiring people to do that and hiring people to do this, those those kind of things, the money goes very quickly. So it's really really important to figure out. Where is my base, and um, and then move forward from there. Um, the other thing I think in starting a business is really identifying the partnerships that you'll need. Who are the people that are going to be my suppliers? Don't you know you don't want to go into a business with a bunch of assumptions. I'm going to get into the burrito business. Well, that assumes that I can get tortillas and cheese and lettuce and chicken and you know whatever else I'm putting in my burritos. That's a huge assumption because there may not be that available in your area. And so you can't just just push forward and assume that the suppliers and the partnerships are all there. So you need to be really thoughtful about Where is this going to come from? Where are the employees going to come from? You can't go to the middle of the country and try to find people that speak you know, Chinese or something. It's it's much more difficult to find that because there's no need for people to speak Chinese in the middle of this country. Um, So you have to be really, really kind of thoughtful about that. The next thing I would say, so now you've figured out what you want to do. You figured out how to make it sustainable you figured out who your partners are, the very next thing I would do is I would figure out how can we start to scale it? How can we build in, you've heard of CRMs, um, customer relationship management. It really is software that allows you to track. How many phone calls do I need to make in order to make a sale? How many times do I have to interact with somebody in an email? before a sale. And if you're tracking that information over time, it becomes really obvious. Every 5 times I speak with somebody, it becomes a sale. So you feel very okay with talking somebody talking to somebody the third time and the fourth time because you know on the fifth time it turns into a sale on average. If you're just every day just kind of shooting in the dark about what you're saying to people, and how your emails are going out, and what your logo looks like, and the days that you're open, the times that you answer the phone. Consistency is so important in every single aspect of of starting a business because people are trying to trust you. They want to trust you in a a business that you're starting. But if you're there at 5 p.m. only a couple days a week, and they call you at 5 p.m., And you're there and then you're not there. And then you're there and you're not there. What do you think their experience is? They go, I can't trust that this person is here when I need them. So why would they work with you? Even if they love you, even if your services are awesome. If I'm hungry and you're as a burrito shop only open two days a week and you don't tell me that and I show up on one of the days you're closed, I'm really upset because I'm looking forward to that burrito and I get there and you're closed. And you don't have any sign. You know, if you're only going to be open Tuesdays and Thursdays, that's fine. Just tell me. Just make sure that I know so I don't go on Wednesdays or Fridays. People forget, I think, um, I remember like when I've started businesses, it's so cool to come up with a name of a company and have people say it. I, you know, it's just, it's so fun. They, They start calling your business by the name that you made up, just like. When you were eating a bowl of cereal one day or something, and it's so fun, but they take you more seriously than you do because they're trying to accomplish something. Your customers are trying to accomplish something. They're trying to do their own business or supply their kids in the school. If they're a teacher with pencils, if you are the provider of pencils, you need to have enough pencils. You need to talk to the person and say, hey, you know, as Uh, As summer comes, do you ever stock up on pencils uh, for September, for the new year? Or um, when when Mother's Day comes, do you need more crayons? Because everybody is making Mother's Day cards with crayons and you use more crayons. You have to understand from their perspective what they need. And you don't just want to guess. I mean, it's okay to have some thoughts and say, hey, you know, I was thinking Mother's Day is coming up. I was wondering, do you use more crayons? Like, do the kids do cards for people? And would it help you if I brought you crayons and I also brought you some tape and some really cool little doily things that they could stick on the outside of the cards for the mom? And then all of a sudden they say, yes, that would be something. And you know what? We would love to have that all the time. And all of a sudden now you're not only selling them pencils, but you're selling them tape and some other thing. So having those conversations with the clients, super, super important. And the other thing I I say to people all the time, um, you know, the world has changed from a, a technology standpoint, but it hasn't really changed that much. So before all this web stuff, Uh, I would start a business, and I would have to go get an office. And with the office, I would have to get chairs and a phone, and I'd have to get a sign outside the building. And then I would be all ready to go have employees, and we would just sit inside the office, and no one would call, and no one would come in, and we just have this office. So really, I'm starting an office, I'm not starting a business. (laughs) So same thing with a website, you know, people will build a website and they think, okay, once I have the website, I'm good, but you're not. It's like, I say to them, you know, if you have X number of dollars as a budget, save some, like if you're going to have a party, like here's a good example. If you're going to have a party and you spend all your money on food and music and parking attendance and, you know, all, all these great things, but you forget to save some money for invitations, you're going to have a really horrible party. Even though you have great music and great food, you didn't send out any invitations to the party. Same thing. If you spend all your money on invitations, but the experience at the party is no fun. There's no food. There's nobody there. There's no music. You just show up and it's like, oh, this party's dead. And you just want to leave. It's got to be a balance. And so you have to understand what is it what is that experience with your service or product when people show up to the party, but also what are you doing to get people to that party? And whether that's a website, whether that's a podcast, whether that's a a physical office, whether that's a product, you need to find a way to make sure that you're inviting people in to try the service, um, to talk about the service, existing clients to talk about the service, any of that stuff. Starting a business isn't about creating a website. It isn't about creating a podcasting, creating a logo. It has nothing to do with the business succeeding. That's all about setting the foundation. It's like when you have dinner, you set the table, put out the plates, put out the knives, put out the stuff, put the food. That's just setting the table. Dinner is about the experience of eating the food. That's what dinner is, and so running a business is about the experience that you have with your clients. And the more that you interact with those clients, the more that you ask them really good questions, the more that you understand what are your pain points in your business. How can I help you with that? Um, yeah,
1: th- thank you so much for that, uh, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. When you were explaining, you, you didn't make mention of something very important now, uh, which is. Um, the fact that the people out there want to trust you yes. because that is the only thing that is going to make you succeed now because like you said, if you open for, if you are selling food, you are, the people come, you are open one time, they call the next time, you are not there, the other time they are there, you are there, they are not going to come and if they are not going to come, nobody is going to buy from you, so you are going to lose, no?
0: Right, right.
1: So, so I want to hang on that a, a minute. The people want to trust you. Yes. Well, is there something that new businesses are doing that are not making people actually come to trust them fully so that because if people don't trust them, they're not going to succeed?
0: So I think the answer is slightly different for every human being, what makes me trust you? Because a lot of trust comes from experience. So if you put your hand out to shake my hand and I shake your hand, your experience is putting my hand out means that someone will shake my hand. If you put your hand out and I pull out a machete and cut your hand off, you're probably never gonna put your hand out again, um, or especially not in front of me, right? So is putting your hand out the thing that trust is built on? Sort of, but it's also your relationship, each individual person's relationship with that experience. And so, There are certain things that you can assume if you're a restaurant, let's say, you can assume that people want to be served quickly, that they want a fair price, that they want the food to taste good. They want the food to look good. That's all built into trust. If I buy a product, simple, I want it to work. (laughs) If it's a mouse, if it's a, a wireless headset, I want it to connect. I want it to stay connected. Why? Because I'm trying to have a conversation and I can't have a conversation if it keeps disconnecting. Right. So that all, all that stuff is about the trust with the client. That's um, I think the mistake that people make is they sell before the trust is established. And so people will, uh, one of the things that drives me crazy, a lot of people will reach out to me on LinkedIn, you know, they'll, they'll send me a message and they go, hey, we're just trying to connect with you. And then their next message is, do you want this insurance? Or do you want this CRM system? Or do you want this artificial intelligence? You know, they're trying to sell me something. Immediately, we've established no rapport, except that you lie to me. You told me <laughs> that you just, you wanted to have a relationship with me. You don't want to really have a relationship. You could care less about me because you've asked nothing about me. You just want a face- And a check that will buy whatever it is that you're selling. And that really diminishes the trust. And then unfortunately, what happens is the more people that do that, I start to build expectations that somebody reaching out to me on LinkedIn equals somebody trying to sell me something. And so I think there's a lot of YouTube stuff out there right now by people that there's an expression. I don't have to outrun you. You know, like if a bear is chasing you, I don't have to outrun you. Uh, I don't have to outrun the bear. Like let's say you and I are running from a bear. I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you because you're going to get eaten by the bear. Um, and what that basically means is you just have to be this much smarter than the people you're talking to in order to sound like, you know, what you're talking about. Um, I, don't, I just don't subscribe to that at all. I just think it's the wrong way to go about it. And there's a lot of people on YouTube that see other people doing it. They take a class and they go, okay, now I can make $12,000 a month by selling this information. They really don't have any idea. And, and yeah, they might make money initially, but it's usually not sustainable if the trust isn't there with people. Um, if you put on a clown suit like a clown, you know, big nose and clown, whatever. And you go out on the street and you start dancing around, people will honk at you and they'll treat you like a clown. They will believe that you are a clown. And when they drive by that street every day, if you're out there, they will go, there's the clown. There's the guy that always stands out there, right? People are willing to trust you up front. It's a little bit harder when you do things that other people do that aren't trustworthy. But people will give you the benefit of the doubt. The worst thing that you could possibly do in building trust with someone is establish the trust and immediately break the trust. And so it's for each person to decide, like, what is, what is that that I'm breaking? And I, I would not um, be opposed or I would encourage people to ask their clients to ask people that they interact with, what's it like to interact with me? <laughs> uh, you know, how how is our relationship? And and clients go, what, 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 it's fine. And you go, well, I just want to make sure, like, do you feel that we're providing the best services that we can for you? Yeah, why are you asking me these weird questions? And And you're developing a relationship of trust where they say, yes, I trust that you are delivering me these services. I trust that if I'm paying you you know, $10,000 a month for 10 hours of work, that you're doing 10 hours of work. And eventually they have their own stuff to do. That's why they hired you. So trust is probably one of the most important things. And if you ever do something that they feel you have broken that trust, own it. Yes, you, you know, I mean, it's okay to say, you know what, you're absolutely right. I've been slacking off. I haven't really done what I'm supposed to be done. You, you will go so much further in that relationship by owning that I'm a human being. And sometimes I feel lazy, you know? Um, I, I, I think that's one of the biggest. And, and, and really looking at things from their perspective, what does it feel like to be on the other side of you is a big, big, big part of
1: it. All right, now another thing is um, when you are in business, sometimes you are not in business all by yourself, no? You are in business because you are in a relationship also, maybe sometime with your co-business uh, people, sometime with another business in the service of the client. Mm-hmm. So in this, I'm trying to understand what can be the importance of networking and collaboration in business, especially in 2022, looking at every look at the reality that we live in today. What would you like to say about that?
0: Yeah. That's a great question. And it was actually something that I was going to address address in trust um, in that last conversation is the importance of teamwork, the importance of networking. Um, I feel like it's really, really equally critical. Number one, because if you're hiring people or you are bringing in contractors to help you to interface with your client, that's an expression Of you and your business. Your your client is trusting that the partners that you brought in are going to equally stand up to what has been promised and what has been promised to be delivered. So uh, there needs to be somebody in the team that's leading. I think that it's great to have this whole democratic company where you have everybody that has a say, but everybody can't lead, you know, the birds that all go like this, you know, you look up in the sky and you see all these birds flying. They're all following the person, my understanding is that they're all following the bird next to them. And there must be somebody that's leading that whole thing. Or or there's some, I I don't know exactly how it all works. But uh, just to get back to like a real office with real people, I don't think it needs to be a tyrant. That's running, you know, everybody do it this way. I don't want to listen to everybody else, but, um, cause you just won't keep employees that way, but the teamwork part of it, it's everybody having a common goal. It's everybody believing in the mission. It's everybody having a say in it. So if somebody feels like, Hey, I, I need to raise my hand, what we're doing is not right. People need to work and they will stay until they find another job, but then they'll leave if they don't believe in what you're doing or they don't believe in the way you're doing it. Um, I, I just think it's, it's really, really super important. Networking and going out and establishing yourself in the industry. No, no, I'm sure people have heard this, no person is an island. If I was the only person on the planet, it would be a really boring life because I'd have no interaction with anyone or anything. And very quickly, I would experience everything that I can experience by myself. The reason that life is fun is because you're interacting with people, that you're interacting with their ideas, and you are sharing your ideas with their ideas. So, you know, networking and establishing partnerships with people is about you wanting a place at the dinner table, it's about people accepting you have a voice that's valuable at this table. And, you know, the world isn't, remember what I said about the clown, like the world will give you a chance pretty much in anything, as long as when you show up at the table, you you use your manners, (laughs) you know, Um, and part of manners is coming equipped, coming, understanding the industry, coming, understanding the problem of the clients, coming with a solution for it. You can't just sit at the table because you want to you know, and, and I think people sometimes think, well, I can't do it because I have no experience. That's true, but you can gain the experience and you can gain relationships and trust and network and start down that path. And very quickly, like people will be amazed at how quickly the world will accept you and give you opportunities. Um, you know, uh, There's there's um, I I like analogies for whatever reason. Um, And there's this thing that I heard one time where there's a big auditorium of people and somebody up on top saying they were trying to get everybody to clap in in harmony, you know, all at the same time. And so the guy initially said, okay, you people over there start clapping. okay, you guys now this group in the middle start clapping and you guys start clapping. okay, you guys speed up you're going too fast and you guys slow down because you're going to or you you know uh speed up because you're going too slow slow down because you're going too fast and he was trying to instruct all these people in the auditorium to to somehow coordinate it but when he just said the goal is everybody clap the same they just let them do it and within like two seconds everybody was in harmony because everybody understands what the goal is and they all just adapt themselves. And so, you know, if you're building a team, if you are the boss, and you have a team of people, allow them to have a a seat at the table, allow them to have a part of it, allow newer people that come in you know, remember the time if you if you've been in business for a while, remember the time when you came in and you were scared that no one would let you into the industry. Remember what that feels like, because some of the most amazing people are older, are younger, are fatter, are skinnier, are taller, you know, are all the different things that people can be. You never know where the great ideas are going to come from. And if you don't give people that, opportunity, whether that's partners, whether that's employees, whether that's people you're networking with, you know, listen to what they're saying. It's really, really important um, to do.
1: Now, what about this uh, this key that we are talking about? Because now we are looking at uh, a business person, an entrepreneur, a business owner, who is going to play this delicate game, no? You did make mention of something important before, that uh, if we are going to be in a the, in the company now, there is no need to be a tyrant. It's not, It's not going to be very good for anyone. You just try to, to be good to everybody. Yes. Because if you are if if you are keeping me just by the gun, of course I might not I will not be able to I might not be able to insult you, but if you are going wrong, I will not be able to correct you too, because I will think you are going to hurt me because you are having a gun pointed at my head. Yes. But if, if you are allowing the people to participate freely, willingly, then we can really move on in the same direction. Yes. But for you to be able to do this now, say maybe, for example, you are the leader, you need a level of understanding too. So I'm trying to understand, for those that don't have this understanding, these skills, because these are leadership skills, management skills, business skills, for those who don't have them, what do you suggest as a way to build it up so they can, so they can see themselves as not just a tyrant, but equal with every other person that they are that they are leading a team let I me mean, with that
0: yeah there's uh i'm going to give you another analogy there's one that i heard one time that uh a man picked up a little baby cow like a calf and lifted it up and put it over the fence and as a, and he did that once a day like the cow would come back out of the fence and then he'd lift it up and he put it back and by the time the cow got gigantic, the guy was strong enough because every day he got stronger lifting the cow that he was able to lift this gigantic cow because he built those skills and he built that strength over time. So if he just tried to pick up the big cow himself at the end, he wouldn't be strong enough. But because he's been doing it every day, you know, he's built those skills. Um, I think leadership come leadership is not about leading which which seems strange to say in my opinion leadership is about people accepting that you're the leader so otherwise it's tyrant behavior you know leading by forcing people by threatening people that's not really leadership that's just forcing that's just forcing people um When people accept you as the leader, why are they accepting you as the leader? You know, I I love the brain and I love brain chemistry and I love what people think. And remember, my mom was this behaviorist kind of person and my dad was this technology person. So I'm constantly doing that dance between the two. And I'm very interested in the way the brain works and the way that people accept a leader is because their experience is when that leader makes decisions, it has worked out well. When, uh, in your examples that you were talking about, letting everybody have a voice, well, if everybody has a voice and it never goes anywhere, because everybody just walks out of there and goes, okay, well, we can't make any decisions because everybody thinks differently, it's not going to work. And so, you know, finding that balance between leading people and letting people be a part of the decisions is really about the results that you achieve, that you achieve over time. And I think that's a really um, valuable thing to understand that just because you're the boss doesn't mean people respect you. It means that they get paid by you. People respect you I'm sure you've worked in places, everyone has worked in places where the boss is kind of whatever, but then there's this other person that's really in charge of everything and running everything. And that's the one that you trust. If you have an issue, that's the one you go to. You don't really go to the boss because the boss is kind of out of touch with things. So um, just remember being the boss doesn't mean that you can treat people horribly. It doesn't mean, and, and giving everybody a voice doesn't necessarily mean that's the best thing for the company. It depends on the voices. It depends on the people. It depends on your interaction and your ability to um, you know, bring all of those ideas to one central idea that everybody can decide is best and get moving forward. You can't just constantly be in a state of let's keep thinking about what we're doing. You need to be doing stuff and over here thinking about what you're doing. But You never get anything done if it's just constant open to everyone, you know, I was just saying, you know, I know that at some point you talked about maybe talking about technologies, you know, emerging technologies and that kind of thing. I think that some of that stuff gets really heavy duty, you know, like artificial intelligence. I I know a guy that's, he has actual software that will watch how many days you've been sick, how many times you've been late um, just, just, just like analyzes all these different things. And it tells the company, you're most likely going to leave the company. You're probably looking for another job right now. You know, it has all these algorithms that figure that stuff out and it sends a message to like the owners of the company or whatever, the HR department. Um, it's really, you know, to, and they do that to try and retain people. Um, I know there's people that are going and looking at all your social media posts. They look at your education, they look at your salaries, and they go, "They're projecting out. You'll probably only make this amount of money in your lifetime." You know, there's a lot of really weird stuff that goes on. Um, I think, I think that's a whole different conversation than people starting their business. You know, uh, the technology that was out there right now is basically for this world you know like the, the the hard world um but very soon we'll be in a place where you have a little button and you're tired at work and so you just hit the button and all of a sudden it's a dance party in the metaverse or something um you know that's going to be a totally different thing but all these opportunities for sure will come from it you know but that's kind of a different conversation i didn't really want to get too much into that
1: now let's look at the importance of technology in business say maybe for example uh, when you started your business and today and what, what do you see that have changed? Let, let's take it from there. They yeah sure the, yeah yeah please
0: Yeah. Um, what has changed and what has always changed is the way that we go about things So for instance, we talked about the phone, you know the phone um, the way we interact with the technology, it used to be get in the car, drive, and go find a phone. but the 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 basic part of life, the basic need was make a phone call. Um, Most of the technologies today have been built for the real world, right? Um, I have a problem in the real world. I need to make a call to you. Some of that stuff will carry over to the digital world, but there's going to be things that we haven't really uh, thought about, which is predictive things. people not right now have software, large companies have software and HR departments have software where they can just look at, you've been late this many times. Um, you missed your report, you missed a meeting, uh, you know, those kind of things. And they can just predict you're most likely going to go look for a new job at this point or, uh, and and they'll, the HR department will get involved and they'll bring you in and they'll try and retain you. And the reason is because They know you're unhappy. That's why you're showing up late and all these other things. But they also know that it's so much more expensive to have to hire somebody else and train them for your job. So they're using technology to preemptively keep you in the company. Uh, There's also stuff that won't hire because if you do the math, an algorithm might say, anybody that's on Facebook more than two hours a day and that likes to fish never ends up being the top salesperson. And so they can just run all that public information and they go, we don't want that person to be the main salesperson. So I think it's going to get really, really tricky for people to navigate around the algorithms and the things that are predictive in the future. Um, We're also going to live in a world where you're at work and you're tired of working and all of a sudden you just hit this button and it becomes this giant metaverse dance party or something right in the middle of your work. Um, You know, as these technologies...
1: What is is Metaverse? Do you want to say anything Uh, about that? Well, Metaverse is... is,
0: So um, one of the companies that I'm working on right now is an NFT company. You know, what happened was in 2000, there was something called Second Life. I don't know if you've ever heard of Second Life, but it was this place where you could create a little avatar person of yourself and you could fly around in this digital world and you could go to a coffee shop. The the silly part about it in the year 2000 was that when you go to the digital coffee shop inside your computer, you had to use your credit card from the real world to pay for things. And so people thought, well, this is silly. Why am I paying for things in this fake world with money from the real world? So when you think about that, that's why all this Bitcoin and, you know, uh, all of these, um, Ethereum and you know, Cardano and all these other coins have come, all this digital currency came because they said, wow, if we're gonna interact in these other worlds, people don't wanna, you can't, you can't stick a dollar through the machine, like through your computer, it doesn't work. And uh, credit cards in there are, are too risky. There's, there's too many problems with it. So now, interestingly enough, 20 years later, the currencies have evolved dramatically but the world hasn't. If I said to you, go into some digital world right now and do a speech, dress up like Caesar and do a speech, your brain can can conceive of doing that, but there's no technology that allows you to really do that yet, right? If you wanna immediately just get in front of a whole bunch of people that are sitting at an auditorium you need to be able to somehow find that auditorium and search it and all these other things. So what's happened is now the currencies have jumped dramatically ahead of the experience. And so the reason Facebook changed its name to Meta and the reason that uh, you know all these different companies, Microsoft and all these other ones, they, they realized and, and this uh, pandemic has pushed things ahead because in the old days, everybody wasn't comfortable with just jumping on Zoom or jumping on a a webcam and having conversations. Now everybody is. And the fact that you're recording this, I don't really need to sit in a meeting anymore. I can just take my little avatar, put it in a meeting, have the software tell me what the meeting was about, things that I said were relevant. And I can just have my little digital, Andy, sitting in a meeting i don't need to physically be there all the time so that opens up a whole bunch of issues like companies say well if you had your avatar there are we paying you should we be paying you uh if you're not physically there and 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 so that like the technology will open up not only opportunities but it'll open up a lot of questions about what what is the nature of work what is the real work you know um There are times where people have paid me a lot of money to just help them with their idea, just help them get clear on what is the actual product or what is the actual service. And it may have taken three hours of my time, but the amount that they paid me didn't equal three hours, but it's the content, it's the, it's the, um, It's the ideas that were generated that it's hard to put a price on, you know. So as we move forward, it's going to be really difficult to determine what are we paying people based on. In the old days, you know, way back when people were farming, it was really easy to say they've been digging all day long. They get paid this amount per hour for digging as we influence industries, influencers, it's the same thing. I'm sure you know about all the influencers on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Uh, these people, all they have to do is go, hey, check out these glasses. And you know they sell 10 million uh, glasses. Uh, what's that worth? How much do you pay that guy? And so it's gonna open up a lot of different things.
1: If I actually were explaining, the thought that came to my mind uh, was Elon Musk, who bought Twitter for 42 for 44 billion dollars yes and now we are talking of uh, social media and I, this is a guy who of course have okay the richest man in the world uh, with sophisticated company that require all his attention but what is your take on that
0: yeah um I think that the reason uh and I don't know Elon Musk personally um I've followed him from way back in the really early days and I think it's logical, you know, also having been a stock trader, that the, the potential of that company is so undervalued. If I said to you, do you remember that old saying, if I could get a dollar from every person on the planet, I'd be a super zillionaire or whatever. Um, if you think about the reach that you have and the ability to quickly get information to people. You can sell anybody anything on Twitter if it's something that they're interested in. It's super fast. It's a great um, it's a great medium to be able to do that. And I think Elon looked at it and he said, number one, I wanna keep it. I wanna make it more open. I want to stop all of this political dance back and forth of we're not going to publish this and we're not going to publish that. I don't know. He may have a different agenda. I think he's also just investing in it. But if you look at it from, if we needed to get a message out right now, you need something global. You need something fast. And that's the only one that really is out there. You can't call up a news station. You can't call up CNN Because it takes time, like they have to get it on, they have to like get, you know, all the people doing their things. And that assumes that people are watching it, CNN, then it has to send me um, some sort of alerts, but how do I respond back? Like, where is the platform that I respond back? Where is the platform that everybody can talk about it and that very quickly we can pull analytics from it. So I think that he probably is seeing that, Right now it's undervalued that right now there's a lot of opportunity, but in the future, we're going to need this big platform that allows people to have a voice to the rest of the platform and you know, short of starting his own uh, thing, he probably could have done that as well, but this already is in place um so it, it's really interesting. A lot of people are are trying to co- sort of figure out what is it that he was doing. He may decide he wants to run for president and he just didn't want them to block him. I mean, he's also <laughs> that kind of guy, you know, because he saw what happened to to Donald Trump, you know, yeah, Trump, yeah. Uh, enough stuff like he got blocked. If he owns it, he can decide. No, if it's private, he can go. Nope. Nobody's ever blocking me from anything. And maybe that was the the whole entire thing of why he did it. I don't know. We'll 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 see.
1: All right. Now, looking at AI, because this is the topic of today, because what you were talking about, the ability to be able to tap, and and you are present somewhere, we are talking of the work of AI and artificial intelligence and the rest of it. Now, looking at Silicon Valley, where you have a good uh, background, and looking at business world, what is cooking in Silicon Valley in terms of preparation of AI to come up in the business world?
0: Yeah. Well, um, I think I'm going to take a slightly different slant on your question, because I think the real question, I mean, it's nice to know what's going on, but it also, I think what people that are watching want to know is how is that going to affect me, you know, as a business person, as a small business person, how will AI affect me? And I, I am somewhat concerned about it because, so let's just take Google Analytics. If you're doing a website and you're trying to run Google ads and stuff, you know the human brain. It says, uh, "I like purple. I think that purple would be a great color for this graphic that I'm doing on my website." And so you do that. But then the brain wants to wants you to be right, right? So your your brain, as you're analyzing, it's looking for reasons to pat you on the back and go, "Purple was right. Good job." Um, analytics in the computer world doesn't work that way. Um, AI can, and just, just in general, all of the data that's out there, there's structured data and there's unstructured data. But when you combine all this data, it can say, when we have a Republican president and it's rained 200 days this year in Seattle and the uh San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl and the stock market has done this. This is the color to use. You should use blue. And your brain doesn't even understand how that stuff is connected. But as a a historical predictive mechanism, it says that is the way to go. The interesting thing to think about is When I traded and then we started getting into uh, automated trading, one of the things that happened is, you know, there's support and resistance where you buy a stock and you sell a stock. Like if it goes up and it hits this place, traditionally resistance, you would sell, then it would come back down. It hits this other place and buys. What we started to notice is that when it came down to the traditional places that people would buy, the systems would force it lower because it knew that if people bought there, they had a certain stop order that they had to stop it at. And so they basically forced people to buy and then it forced them to sell immediately the bigger systems. And then it took it up and it did it because it was playing on the people that are playing on the traditional systems, if that makes sense. So what happens is like, There's all this artificial intelligence stuff. So in in that example, I gave you, you know, the president and the football team and all this other stuff, it says to use blue. But if you know that all the systems say that you should use blue, maybe people will say, then everyone's going to use blue and we are no longer going to be special because all these people said blue. So let's use red. You know, when I was a kid, I used to go fishing at this bridge um, in this place in Pennsylvania. And if I was on one side, I would be catching fish. But when I'm catching fish, everybody would go to that side. And now they all throw in their line and nobody's catching anything. So I go to the other side of the bridge and I cast over there. Now I'm catching fish again. Right. And, And so there's a really unique dynamic between what the systems say, how people react to it, and how many people react to it. And when that happens, at what point do you stop using that system that everyone else is using and use something different? Um, For people in business that are starting, I know that there will be, and I think they should be very, very um, thoughtful about looking for technology to, to keep up with some of these bigger systems that are out there. Because- If I have all these systems and I know exactly the words that I need to use in order to be at the top of Google in a search, um, and I can also pay ads, I can control the first two or three pages of Google. And you, little small business person, you don't have a shot, you don't have a chance, because I know all the computer systems are telling me, all the artificial intelligence systems and the machine learning systems are telling me, it's really, really going to be a hard. I think people need to, in whatever industry they are, be looking for as much data, as much technology as they can incorporate, or they should be finding people that can help incorporate some of that stuff into their business, whether it's a burrito shop or any of that other stuff, you and I could open a burrito shop. And if you and I can control what people see when they Google a good place to eat lunch, if you and I can control that, we don't have to know anything about burritos. We just have to know how to get the search on people's phone. And as long as we win that, we'll win the traffic coming to our store. So that's the thing that, they, that people really need to understand is it's not just about you and your good service and that you have to understand how that integrates with the technology, because the real thing that you're after is not people coming into your store as much as it is people finding your store when they do a search. Because okay. if they can't, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, hey, yeah. Talking of are these people, of finding your your store or actually you or your product uh, exposing yourself to the people uh now let's see maybe use of social media again because these are technology that came up quite recently actually because facebook uh twitter these are something very recent or they are very new yeah. in our history right now, we go back again to the, to the argument we were making before about Elon Musk decided to buy a Twitter, even though this is the richest man in the world, and it, it's not that he's, he's sleeping, in, in that, it's not that he doesn't have anything to do, yet he decided to buy it because he sees a lot of opportunity there. So, as a business owner, as somebody who is starting out in a business, how do you think this person can benefit from social media like maybe Facebook or even, let's say Twitter for example, because if you want to reach people, you will be looking for a way, where do these people hang out? Yeah. So let me understand that part.
0: Sure. There's, um, there's a site called, that, that I use a lot, it's called Follower Wonk, Follower W-O-N-K. And if you go to Follower Wonk, you can type in um, financial podcasts in Chicago or something like that, and it will show you who all the influencers are. Uh, it will show you how long they've been on Twitter. It will show you how many users they have, how many posts they've done. It will show you all that information. And you can very quickly determine who is the most important voice in Chicago for financial um, information and podcasts or whatever. Um, the fact that when you go on LinkedIn and, or, or you look at a review and you see that somebody has one review, and another company has 300 reviews on a product. If you see that somebody has uh, 300 reviews and they're all horrible, 300 reviews, you know, they're all one star, 300 reviews, they're all five stars. Remember, we're still human brains. Our brains go five stars better than one star. Um, same thing with social media. Lots of followers, our brain goes lots of followers means. I want to be included in the place where everybody is. You know, there's a new nightclub that opens up. Everybody wants to be seen at the new nightclub. There's no difference between social media and regular life. Like it's the exact, it's the same people. Um, your ability to control the voice and the message about your product, about your service, in your industry is really, really important and. You know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, all these give you the voice that you didn't have before. They don't give you the message, but there are ways to look at who's winning with what message. And then it becomes fishing on one side of the bridge again. So if everybody's using the same message, you can jump in and use that same message in your social media. And it's very clouded. But if you have enough people that will listen to the other side of the bridge, you know when you go run from fishing that side, you go to this side. Um, if you can then change that message in a way that people will gravitate to, that may be the way to go. Sometimes when you when you're just starting out, it's really really more difficult to have a completely different message than what the norm is. So what I always recommend to people kind of have a similar message, something slightly different. I just met some guy that he wears green glasses. He does talks. He does all kinds of things. He has these really like, you see that green plant, uh, over there in my, in my house. Um, they're like that color green. He told me, I don't even have lenses. I just wear the green glasses. So people will recognize the green glasses. And so his logo has like a face with green glasses. He's just trying to find a way to stand out somehow in social media. You absolutely got to find a way to stand out, but you got to be clear that the message that you're putting out there resonates with the people, you know, you can't just post and expect like, okay, like, like the business, you know, open a business and people are just going to come or to a party. I have all this stuff, but I didn't tell anybody, you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's really, really important. And in some cases, it's the only way to get traction in your business, depending on what you're selling or what your service is, um, social media, because that's where the people are. You know, people aren't watching TV.
1: People that want to connect with you, please use this few seconds to promote yourself. Maybe an offer or a trainee, whatever. Please go ahead.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. I, uh, I have a website, um, changingtribes.com. Uh, you could go there. You can work with me one-on-one. What I tend to do is I'll help people with one of the other companies that I have, content creators. Um, those are website development and that kind of thing, marketing and strategy and social media and those kind of things. What I tend to do is I have to dis- determine where you are in your process. So if you're just starting out, there's gonna be a set of things that we need to work on. If you're in the middle of uh, a business and you're struggling, then there's gonna be different things that we need to work on. Uh, if you're at a job and like we talked about and you're very worried about, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a typer and all these other things are changing and I need to change my skills. Um, I'd love to talk to you about what it is that you're trying to accomplish and help you set a path for how do I jump from one thing to another if I don't necessarily have those skills to do that. Uh, So you can reach out to me at changingtribes.com. We're actually, I told you, uh, Bob and I, my stepfather, uh, the priest, uh, we've worked on a book, Um, probably going to be done uh, in June, but I'm offering people, anybody that wants to go to this uh, and anybody that sees this in the future, uh, if you buy a copy of the book, I'll give you 30 minutes for free that we'll just talk on the phone and talk about what it is that your goals are and how best to achieve them.
1: Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. All right, now, uh, just to conclude the conversation, because of course we talk a lot, lot, uh, talk about a lot of important things related to business. And also we just did touch also a bit of leadership just now, but that is cool. To conclude it, just in a few seconds, what would you recommend for people that are starting out a business who want to be able to run it to be successful? Not just running a business, but running a successful business. Please go ahead. Shortly.
0: Sure. Um, I would say that there's two real skills that you need to gel to get clear within yourself. Um, what is it? You know, what is that song? I'll just say this again. Like, what is that song that you can sing for a long period of time? What is something that you see has longevity? that you see is going to be interesting to you, that you're going to really want to um, be a part of an industry, ask questions, learn more. There's so many business opportunities inside of each thing. You decide what the big thing is. The opportunities will present themselves. Clients will give you different products to build and different services to offer, but really figure out that big thing. And then the other thing is you've got to get clear from a, you know, kind of spiritual standpoint, you've got to get clear with the inside voice. If you're doing something and on a daily basis, that inside voice says, I should be doing something else. I don't know that you can be successful. I I just have never met anybody that the inside voice is telling them one thing and their outside daily activities are something different. I've just never met anybody that's, happy, that is um, successful financially, that's successful, um, you know, in an industry. So those are the really, 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 really two things, I think. Um, I'll just tell you one thing, I had a friend at 16 years old, that um, he asked me if I wanted to go to the beach with him. And I said, no, um, I, you know, I'm busy, I can't, but go with these other guys. And at 16 years old, that day, they all went and there was a car accident. And his name is Steve, and Steve was killed. And I never felt like that was my fault that Steve died because I told him to go with these friends. But um, every year for many, many years, I went to Steve's grave and I watched, you know, I'm 18 and I can vote and Steve's still 16 and dead in the ground. And now I'm 21 and I can drink or I can, you know, I had kids and I bought a house and I got married and, you know, all these different things. And Steve was always 16 and still in the ground. And What I take from that is no matter how difficult any day is for me, and I've had some really horrible days and I've had some really wonderful days, no matter how horrible it is when I'm ready to jump off a bridge and I'm ready to quit and I've just had enough, Steve would trade me for that day. He would trade me to have that day back and go visit with his sister or visit with his parents. And he never got those days. So I would say, you know, really value Yourself, value the opportunities that you have, be grateful for the opportunities that you have. Um, it's a big world. There's lots of opportunities out there. And it's just really, really super important to have gratitude for that. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Andrew, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I really do appreciate it. Thank you.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.
1: If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. rate our review overhead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehe Ewafo. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.